going to take it. Got it! Boston wins! Two legends in basketball analysis with over 70 years combined experience. This is the Bob Ryan and Jeff Goodman podcast. NBA, some college, a little bit of everything. You know, what can I say? But it wasn't going to happen here with him. I was okay with it because it wasn't about talent, I didn't think. All right, let's get right to it. All right, welcome in another edition of the Ryan and Goodman podcast. And uh, here we are talking about another college coach, Bob Ryan. Uh, getting fired in the NBA. And this one did not last long. John Beeline already out of the Cleveland Cavaliers after, what, 54 games? I mean, he, he made it to the All-Star break and, uh, and resigned. But but he didn't he didn't really resign, Bob. He he was forced out. I mean, he, he didn't fit. He didn't fit the NBA. And I commend uh, Kobe Altman, the general manager, Mike Gansey, the assistant GM, for trying to do something a little bit different. And and we know Beeline is an incredible X's and O's guy. Uh, he's coached at every level. The, the fascinating thing, and I don't know if you know this, Bob, he has never been an assistant coach at any level his entire career from junior college, I think high school, junior college, D3, D2, uh, low D1, Canisius, Richmond, West Virginia, Michigan, uh, all the way through. And I I just think ultimately it it was a bad fit. You know, this is a guy that I don't think connects well um, with today's NBA guys. You you need a guy like Brad Stevens. I hate to say it, but it's true. You probably need a little bit younger guy who can connect to today's NBA guys. Maybe Beeline could have done it years ago. But I'm not even sure. I mean, you could probably speak to that fact a little bit more. Could John Beeline have made it 20 years ago in the NBA at 66 years old uh, with his personality? All right. We have to examine the whole history. Uh, First of all, uh, a couple things here. Uh, It's possible. I thought it was a bizarre circumstance. I wondered what motivated him. What kind of an ego thing did some left unfinished business, you know, that I want to, we had no idea. They wooed him once before, right? Uh, the Pistons, somebody wooed him a couple years ago. Yeah, the, the Pistons, right? The locals. Yes. Yeah. That's and right. Like, oh, it made sense. It goes back to the NBA NCAA finals for the second time. Uh, he's, he's unquestionably a Hall of Fame coach uh, on his collegiate level coming up whenever, you know, uh, and all that. I did a, I have to tell you, there was a wonderfully exhaustive study of NBA coaching done in basketball times in December. Oh, I wrote it. I have to tell you. And no, I did a lot of research, you know, I mean, you know, and, and I learned it's a very interesting uh, historical pattern uh, or non-pattern. I'll I'll try and synthesize it as much as possible. In the beginning of the NBA, of course, the the predominant uh, number of coaches in the first two decades of the NBA were former NBA players. Or people with extreme, with uh, although one of the great exceptions in 1946, a brash 28-year-old guy talked a guy, uh, the owner of the Washington Capitals, into making him the coach on the basis of the fact that he had been in the Navy and he knew a lot of good players. His name was Powerback. <laughs> so you know, th- but based, and then we even had owner coaches in the 50s, as you well know, Eddie Gottlieb and Lester yep. Harrison. Okay, we had owner coaches, uh, in, in, uh, in, in, in it was a whole different world. All right. In the 60s, in the late 60s, suddenly uh, the idea of going into college. And there were the Lakers did it three times. Freddie Schaus, who was whose claim to fame was he coached Jerry West at West Virginia, right? Okay. And then uh, Butch von Bredikoff and, uh, uh, and, and, and then uh, Joe Mullaney. 
and, and so they did it three times and they had some, they got to the finals. So didn't win. None of those guys won, but they did get to the finals. There was a sudden rush of college coaches in between 1968 and 73, uh, Jeff, and stop me when I get boring, but I think you'll sure. like this. the following guys came to the NBA directly from college with no co- professional, you know, uh, connections yep. whatsoever. Oh, yeah. Dick Mata from Weaver yep. State. Yeah. Bill Fitch from Minnesota. Yeah, that worked. Roland Todd from UNLV to the Portland Trailblazers, who, by the way, were a very exciting expansion team. Scored a lot of points. Okay. Um, Cotton Fitzsimmons from Kansas State to Phoenix. Roy Rubin, we'll get to that in a moment, from LIU to Philadelphia. And John McLeod from Oklahoma to Phoenix. And then Jack Ramsey had already entered the league as the GM of the 76ers before he became the coach. This all took place in a five- I think we can skip over Roy Rubin, by the way. I don't think anybody cares well, about Roy Rubin. Most but... best equates to the current situation. Roy uh, Rubin- All right, all right. To John Beeline. Roy Rubin was 4-49 four and 49 before he was uh, thrown out of the job at, at uh, the 76ers. He went on to win five games for Kevin Lockery the rest of the year. The worst team season ever, 9-73. Right. You're calling John Beeline Roy Rubin now. Is all that right. what I'm, what I'm getting out of this? Roy Rubin. That we've had. All right. Now, what it all comes down to, the, and then we, is that the last NBA coach uh, to, who, to win an NBA title, who, who was one of these college guys that had yep. no, was Bill Fitch in 1981. We have not had a guy come from college to the NBA and win an NBA championship since Bill Fitch in 1981. Now, we had a little burst in the interim. We had two guys that you're very well acquainted with. Tim Floyd yep. was pretty much a disaster, all right, in Chicago. And Mike Montgomery, who I always figured took that San Francisco, that, that Warriors job, yep. as an annuity. Uh, that he, he knew whether, whatever was going to happen, he was going to get well paid. Yep. He was young enough to go back to college, which he did. But you and I know he was Mr. Stanford and should have stayed there and been Mr. Chips and been a Mike Krzyzewski of Stanford. Yeah, He's no, you're right. And he'd you're still right. be there. And they would go back and they would have gone back to a Final Four. I believe that. Okay. And then... Now, what has happened since? Who are the co- current NBA coaches? There are nine ex-players. Yeah. But, but the bulk of the coaching community, let me throw you some names of coaches and tell me how many of these guys could pass a lineup for the average NBA fan. All right? Are you ready? Okay. Ed Brown, yep. Mike Miller, Kenny Atkinson, Steve Clifford, James Borrego, Lloyd Pierce, Mike Budenholzer, Mike Malone, Ryan Saunders, and Jim Boylan. How many of those guys could get on to a basketball equivalent of what's my line and have anybody know who they are? <laughs> a lot of no, you're right. A lot of them, nobody their, would have a clue. What's all their background? They all apprenticed in the NBA. They all yeah. apprenticed as assistant yeah. coaches or or uh, video coordinators. Uh, we have Eric, hey, Eric's supposed to start out as a video coordinator, right? Yeah, that, it's the way to do it. It's the That's, easiest way to get there right now to the become a head coach. Now, know the game. And right. now the latest is J.B. Bickerstaff. Now he's been an assistant with four teams and a head coach of one, you know, and he, he, he's, he's got extensive NBA. And, and most people have no idea who he is. The average well, fan. Game, no the, game, the game is different. We know that. And, and one of the things that I heard day one when Beeline took over, uh, you know, he's got a team. It really, listen, they weren't good. So no. it, it wasn't like he was going to win this year. You, you could have been uh, Phil Jackson, who, whoever you want to say, John Wooden, whatever coach. You weren't winning with this roster that was, you know, Kevin Love and 
Jordan Clarkson, Tristan Thompson, Colin Sexton, Darius Garland, Larry Nance Jr. It was a bad roster that really Kobe Altman and Mike Andrews are hoping to flip over with a bunch of, of expiring contracts. If they can get rid of Kevin Love, that's the key uh, with this team. But Beeline comes in, and I'm told, like, first practice, he tries to do an hour of footwork. How is that going to work with Kevin Love? Trish? I mean, they're they're looking at this guy like, come on, are you effing kidding me? There's no way this is going to work. And, and you know, listen, there have been a lot. You didn't mention a string of guys who failed. Patino, Calipari, Tarkanian, Leonard Hamilton, yeah, Dick right. Vitale, Lon Kruger, yeah. uh, Mike Dunlap. Yeah. I mean, I'll go through them. Who, uh, Fred Hoiberg, Reggie Theus. That's good. I mean, you. There's a ton of them. So now it's like Brad Stevens holds the 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 mantle for the college guy, current day college guy going to the yeah. NBA. Billy Brad, Donovan's hanging on. When he got that job, 36 years old. Yeah. He was yeah. No. Six years old when he got that job, and and he he had. Unbeknownst to us, he had been making the goo eyes at the NBA and had associated himself with some people and had made some friendships that we didn't even know about, that people, I bet a butler didn't know about. It, so, I mean, I, I know I personally was stunned when I heard that, because you know, I thought, you know, we all thought they're still praying in Bloomington. We know that. They're still praying in Bloomington that he's going to come down someday. You know, you know that, right? I'm, like, I'm not worse. Of course, 100%. So, they're lighting candles in Bloomington as we speak to get Brad to come back, right? Brad was 36 years old when he took that job with the Celtics. So, you know, there's the one difference. That AB line was 66 years old. And I know he was I, – I still don't get what was going through anybody's head. And I don't I, know what happened to your hand. Wait, 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 wait. I just saw uh, your hand. You got yeah. a splint on your right, right hand. What happened, Bob? Uh, I had a procedure. Uh, I had a condition There's a, uh, where my, my right pinky was – getting permanently bent it's a it's got a french name yeah and i had to have a a, a a procedure i wouldn't call it surgery it was in the in you know it was in 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 the doctor's office but it requires that i have to keep the you know to get the the for it to take vice and you know get the benefits that i need i have to wear a splint for a while that's all uh, so it's one of those. Does yeah. this mean you're not going to be able to throw 80 miles per hour anymore? I'm not going to be. I uh, know I'm. I'm. Uh, I'm going to have to be like uh, uh, the late Tony Mullane in 1884 and be an ambidextrous pitcher. We had another ambidextrous pitcher. Oh, we got one right now. I can't. What's his name? There's a, there is an ambidextrous pitcher out there. Really? Yeah, I didn't even know that. Yeah, there is. I mean, he's had a, a cup of coffee in the bigs and he's been in the AAA. He's, uh, he's out there. I'll think of it, of course, at three in the morning instead of thinking about what I need to know it right now. But anyway, that's the deal. So anyway, right, back, um, back to John Bilan. The other thing, the other thing that hasn't been talked about enough, okay, is John Beeline went through a health scare about, I want to say about a year and a half ago or so. It was right before the start of maybe his last season uh, at Michigan. I remember being at, at media day and seeing him and he got through it in the summer. I think it was a heart, something to do. I don't know if it was a heart yeah. attack or some sort of heart it's procedure. Heart, heart circumstance. Okay. So he had that and his son, Patrick Beeline was the head coach at Niagara. He had just taken over this year, and um, and he had some personal issues w in which he was basically fired from Niagara right before the start of the season. So he's had a lot going on, too. And this is a guy that I think a lot of people made out, John Beeline, leaving college basketball because he didn't want to deal with the dirtiness that had gone on recently with the FBI investigation, with the cheating, 
all that. That might have been a small part of it, Bob, or or an aspect of it. But ultimately, I think it was, hey, I'm 66 years old. I have a chance to coach at the highest level. I'm a ball coach at my core. I don't love recruiting. I want to coach X's and O's. And I'm sure he, I know he talked to Brad Stevens multiple times. And I'm sure Brad told him, hey, listen, here, my phone doesn't ring ever. (laughs) All I got to do is coach. Mm-hmm. You know, like yeah. it, it's it's a grind of travel. It's a different type of grind, obviously. But all I got to do is coach. So I think it was as much as a, an opportunity that he felt he couldn't pass up rather than necessarily running from college basketball, which leads me to my next question, Bob. And again, it's a guessing game for everybody at this point. Do you think 67-year-old John Beeline goes back to college now or just calls it a career? Well, he, first of all, he had a five-year contract. And uh, I'm told already, I heard this morning, that he's he's been reassigned, quote-unquote, within the organization. Obviously, there's going to be a, a, a desire to buy him out by the uh, It's already done. I think it's already done. They've come to an agreement in which I think he's leaving most of the money on the table. Here. Put it this way. If, if 75-year-old Jim Calhoun can not only come back to coaching, but goes back to coaching by starting a program from scratch, by the way, he's 20 and two. That's, Is he? Yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah, I thought that. Yeah, Jim oh, Calhoun's wow. 20 and two. I got to tell you quickly, last year when he came to, Bo- uh, came to Boston, uh, I went to see him at uh, Suffolk University. And uh, after the game, I ran up, I, I had him for 30 seconds before he got, you know, to the locker room. Yeah. I said, hey, Jim, you having fun? He said, next year. Well, guess <laughs> what? Guess what? He's 20 and two. Okay. But. I, if I still suspect coaching's in Jim uh, and John Beeline's blood, and certainly there has to be a circumstance. Uh, I don't know if it's going to be at the highest level. It depends on what he's willing to accept or what he, you know, what, what he could. But I don't know. I, I wouldn't be shocked. Okay. I mean, I, I, I'm not now. I think his personality is. I would. I, I dare I say most people's personalities are different than Jim Calhoun's. So, yes. so I know a little bit same personality, and I'm a friend of Jim, so I say that under great affection. Okay. So, uh, but most people's personalities are different. I don't know if John, you know, but it, it's certainly. Right, when you hire him, Bob. If I were some good Boston course. College, Bob, your alma mater, Boston College. If they make a move with Jim Christian, would you hire John Belon? I'd pick him up at the airport. I'd be happy to do that. And if it needs a spare room, we have it. Don't worry. <laughs> you you would love a, to have John Beeline. It's, it's right around the corner from where I'm sitting. I'm 10 feet from the spare room. Don't worry. <laughs> so you hear, you heard that, John Beeline. You you have a room. And John, state. great reading, great reading material in that well, room. I see too. it behind but, you. Look. Oh, oh, that's just, this is my office. But I've got, I have another bookcase in, in this bedroom right around the corner. I mean, plenty of good reading material in the Ryan household. Let me assure you. So here's my question. At, at a place like Boston College, every job that opens, they're gonna you're gonna hear John Beeline's name associated with it. If Texas opens and, and they make a move with Shaka Smart, if yeah. the Paul makes a move with Dave Lado, if uh, you know the other jobs really in the ACC are Wake Forest, Danny Manning, and then Georgia Tech and Clemson are really 50-50 deals right now with Brad Burnell and Josh Pastner. Those are like the six openings right now that could possibly <laughs> end the season. Mm-hmm. But if I'm John Beeline. I might sit tight and see what happens at a Kansas, at an Arizona, at some of these schools that the NCAA still hasn't made a determination and, 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 and you know, had a penalty. Mm-hmm. And if you're Bill Self and you get hit hard, do they, first of all, have to make a move with them? Or second of all, does Bill Self try to get out? He's buddies with R.C. Buford in San Antonio. 
Mm-hmm. And I've always said, I'm Bill Self. I beg, let me be the coach in waiting. Let me come and learn the NBA for a couple of years, yeah. sit on the bench, and whenever Pop's ready to retire, I don't know if they would do that. I don't know if Pop wants him to be the coach in waiting or <laughs> RC, but Bill yeah. Self and RC are super close from their college days. And Self's plenty young enough. Yeah. You know. Oh, he, he could do it socially. Like, he could connect. He'd have to pull back in terms of he can't be as much of a, of a hard ass as he is, but he'd figure it out. Like, there are certain guys. I did a poll, I don't know, six weeks ago to uh, 25, 20, 25 NBA guys, GMs, execs, of who are the college guys they would hire now. Mm-hmm. The clear one and two, Bob, were, were Tony Bennett and Jay Wright. Clearly, okay. 1A and 1B. Yeah. And they have the they have the personality for it. They're young enough to be able to connect. Um, you know, John Beeline just that's the part. Again, he could coach. Mike oh. Dunlap could coach. Yeah. He's he, Mike Dunlap was always noted at Metro State as an elite level coach. And actually, when he was an assistant under uh, Steve Lavin uh, at St. John's, they had a really good year. So Dunlap could coach. It's the the social aspect now, honestly means as much as anything in the NBA. You better figure out a way to handle the stars. Now, he didn't have any stars, really, but but they all think they're stars. But see, all these other guys I mentioned, these these, these, these anonymous NBA coaches, they all had the background to figure, you know, to yeah. understand the whys and wherefores of the NBA. Oh, uh, one more we have to uh, mention uh, who had a, a background had uh, of this type was is Nick Nurse. And, you know, coaching the, coach, coach the G League, coach the – coach uh, I, I was I happened to be in Des Moines, Iowa the day he was hired as coach of the Iowa Energy. <laughs> Who the hell was Nick Nurse? Just came from England, you know. I mean, uh, which he did, and at that point he had been in England. Anyway, uh, once again, another one guy that uh, now he's got some notable visibility because of the, the, the Raptors get on TV and he, he won the championship. But anyway, that's who coaches in the NBA now, except and, and aside from NBA uh, ex players, and uh, uh, this was a. A very aberrational thing, and and uh, you know, it's I, I'm really curious to see what happens because you're right. He's, it, 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 I I can't imagine him not getting back in college at some point. So will Brad Stevens no. be the next guy? I mean, you said it's been thirty, almost oh, forty not, years. Not, it's going on forty, thirty-nine years. It's going to be the 1981 Bill Fitch, the last guy. The other, only other two that did it, Mata did it. And, and you know, with the uh, in 1979 with the uh, 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 78 with the uh, bu- bullets, the old bullets, uh, he won it. And then uh, and Fitch won in 81. There's the only two college guys direct from college in the last 50, 55 years. Will Brad, will Brad end that string? Will do you think Brad? It's un- it, it's. I mean, they're a contender. We know they're a legitimate contender. We know that Milwaukee is head and shoulders the favorite in the East. Somebody has to play them in the finals. There are three possibilities of that: Toronto, Philadelphia, and Boston. And oh, four Miami. Miami definitely in that mix, and uh, they're one of them. And and they're they're not far away. Uh, there may be a. Yes, no, it could. It could. Yeah. I mean, he could certainly do it. I'm not saying this year, Bob. I'm not even saying this year. I'm saying in, in his lifetime, right. he's got a core now. You're, you're going to keep Tatum. you got Jalen Brown. you got Kemba for a little while. Smart. Yeah. I mean, listen. It's a good – oh, it's a wonderful – it's a good group. It's a it's – a, it's a, it's a, you know, hey, get a little break here and there. Something happens. You know, sure. They're, they could, they're, they're in the mix. That's all. Definitely. Only answer your question is could he? Yeah, could he? Absolutely could. No question. Does he? Does he? Gun to your head. 
does Brad Stevens win a title in, in Boston? Uh, uh, probably not because I'm afraid of Milwaukee. I mean, defend, all right, you know, no matter where Anthony Tocumpo goes, so if he stay, goes to stay, he's going to be, you know, the towering figure in this league. I mean, literally and figuratively for many years. Uh, probably not. You know, I'm, I'm not, I'm not, but I'm a, I have to understand I'm an, I, I'm a negative thinker. Uh, I always like that. I, 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 I like to be pleasant. I'd much rather be pleasantly surprised than disappointed. So I, I always like to aim low. And then, you know, if things get turned out to Over, be overachieve. Yeah, I say yeah. to me, a, a, a pessimist is an optimist with experience. That's, what <laughs> so, that's, that's pretty good. I like that. I like that a lot. Okay. Like I, I'm going to be the optimist here. I'm going to say that I, I, I've always, you know, and, and and I'm not a homer because I was about as big of a Brad Stevens fan as there was covering him in college. And I think I probably got to know him as well as any national um, writer while mm-hmm. he was a player. Uh, in fact, I remember seeking him out. I would go in, in, in AAU basketball. I would cover it in July. And I would write down like three names of coaches that I wanted to meet that I just didn't know well. And I would text them and drive out to whatever gym they were at. Mm-hmm. And I did that with Brad when he became, I think it was his first year at Butler as a, as a head coach after I'd seen him uh, beat Southern Illinois in Carbondale. Was he uh, shaving text- yet at those days? What's was that? He, was he shaving yet? In the, when he- no. no. no, no. <laughs> is, he, is he shaving now? <laughs> um, you know, I mean, uh, so I, I went out and I, you just get a feel when you're around Brad Stevens that you don't get from being around other coaches. I I always say, you want to pinch him and and say, are you real? Because (laughs) at that age, his first year, when I remember having that conversation with him and driving out to his side gym in Vegas and and just sitting down with him, Mm. he was the same maturity level he is now. Like he, he had it. He just had it. It was like, there is an it and and so many walks of life and and there isn't it. And, and I, I've been fascinated with coaching it's for, you know, my whole professional career is, is, is what works in, in all sports, you know, uh, in, in all sports. It's just fascinating about, about what that it is and, 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 and how, you know, yeah, it is. And there's clearly he's the anointed. He's one of the anointed, you know, now the to way, me, the, the way, the way he wins it all, is if Jason Tannen becomes one of the top five players in the okay. NBA at some point in his career. I, I think then you win it all, but I think you, you have a, to have you have to have Tatum be elite. And Tatum, and he's already an all-star. He made an all-star he, game in year three. If he could replicate the game he just played against the Clippers. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, about 40 times out of the 82, right? That's pretty and, tough. That's what we're talking about. Because that has to be one of the handful of best all-around games anybody has played in this league this year. You know, uh, I mean, it was a it was a spectacular performance, and 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 uh, both ends because he's now developed himself into a you know the key is he's he's taken pride in becoming a defensive player. He wants to be a great player. Player. He doesn't just want to be a great offensive player. He wants to be a great player. He's still 21 years old. He's 20. Amazing. Think about so many of these so many of these guys. I mean, he's not the whole, whole guy. We could have this conversation about several other guys in this league, uh, uh, how incredibly precocious they are. And and he's but he's certainly at the top of the list among the bigs. They're not the top, the top, the top. Well, and under uh, under, I'll draw a line under twenty three. You know. Yeah. Yeah. No. Listen, and, and as you said, is is in, in, entering into the middle age. You know what is he? Twenty five. You know. <laughs> the part that blew me away in that Clippers game, Bob, and, and I kept tweeting about him scoring, and then the game was over, and I said, like, how did I not tweet about his defense on Kawhi? Yeah. It was amazing. 
Yes, it was absolutely. Oh, it was it was great. But that's asking a lot of anybody to replicate that forty yeah. times. But but I I think you make an excellent point. He's got the capability of being an elite, a truly elite player. Uh, we have other the other guys. They have other guys. Uh, Brown's going to be a very very nice player yeah. and is a nice player and and smart is smart. You know yeah. I think. What we see is what we get. We're not going to get any more or less out of Smart than we now see. He's not going to develop into a, a 20 points a game. Yeah. But he's capable of a 25-point night every now and then when the when that, that erratic three-point shot is falling. But the other thing is the other stuff he gives you is there every single. Yeah, yeah. Other stuff. What, what you need, you honestly probably need to win it all to replace Gordon Hayward with a big, with a, with a dominant big. And, yeah. and I don't know where you find that, Dominic. Where do you find that? I know. The world, you know, there's so few, you know, anyway, yeah, we know that. Well, yeah. anyway, it's, you know, they're, they're, they're anyway, they, they're, people like them. They're fun. We're, we're happy. To, we like watching them. Uh, we, there's this, they're all, it's all harmonious this year. And it's, so it's a lot, it's a lot different. It's, it's good. All right. So uh, you were critical about the NBA All-Star game last well, week prior to the All-Star game. You said oh, yeah. it, it, it's a bore. It stinks. I agree with you. It's been awful over the years. Absolutely awful. You know, 170 points scored in some of these games. Nobody's playing defense. It's, a, it's an AU game. I mean, honestly, it, it's worse than an AU game because nobody cares. And all of a sudden, Bob, we put in this Elam ending Elam in the ending. fourth quarter. The Elam ending, which <laughs> I actually covered the basketball tournament, which is where it kind of came from. It came from Professor... Nick Elam from Ball State. Ball State. They used it. John Mugar, who runs the basketball tournament, um, and I covered it for the first few years. I I, I worked it. Mm-hmm. Um, they put it in there, and what it does is basically it, it eliminates the clock in the fourth quarter, and they put a target score up there. Mm-hmm. They add basically however many points you want to add, maybe thirty-five points in the fourth quarter. Uh, and that's the target score. Whoever gets to that score first wins. So they did that, that with this All-Star game, and they put uh, 24 points in honor of Kobe. Um, and this thing was, I hate to say, but I'm going to admit it, it was entertaining as hell, Bob. It was, it was fun to watch. It was terrific. And so many different thoughts were going through my head as I was watching it. Primary one being, this is what it ought to be. Why do we have to have one period of it? Why can't we have four periods of it? Where is their personal pride that they wouldn't want to play this way to show who's the boss and who's the best and, 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 and put out their effort and be inspired and challenged and all that stuff? And, and wouldn't they rather do this than that other crap that they have descended into over the years? And I blame this crop and, and, their, and their immediate ancestors, if you will, for, for allowing the All-Star game to become this ridiculous dunkathon and and upathon and alley-upathon dunkathon. It's all it is. It's all it is. And uh, what was, how many points did Anthony Davis score that day a couple of years ago? 48, whatever, you know. All right. No, I mean, and it doesn't have to be that way. They let it be that way. And then I'm thinking, hey, all right, here they are. Is it just the fact that they knew they were playing for charity money? Uh, and and the winner would would get three hundred thousand and the loser you know for their charity and all that uh, was it just that or was it a combination of everything uh, or was it once it got started their competitive juices kicked in and they they found themselves doing stuff that they you know wouldn't have never dreamed all right I'm thinking about that all, second thing I'm thinking about is all of us all of, all we normal people who were you know who can only dream about being those guys right. All we normal basketball fans who have played basketball, pick, pick up basketball countless hours in our lives, 
either best of 11, win by two, or 21, where you don't have to win by two. And where I come from, and this used to be a debate I had when I got up here in Massachusetts, winners out. I came from a winners out culture, you know, yep. with, with, in, in both cases. Sure, uh, sure. That, that was my kind of basketball, Jeff, because it theoretically meant I might not have to play any D. <laughs> it's fine with me because I wasn't, that wasn't my, I like scoring. That wasn't your strength. No, not at all. But I'm thinking about this. I'm watching these guys. They're going for a score. And all I'm thinking is, make it winners out. That'd be cool, you know. That would be cool. All right. Then uh, the individual stuff. How about Kyle Lowry taking three charges, two of which he got credit for when he did, and one he didn't. But he should have because he definitely took that first charge too. I guess then the referees decided, well, basically we better give him some credit, right? But my favorite part, Jeff, my favorite aspect of the entire wonderful fourth quarter, pitching about calls. Oh, it was great. LeBron, crying, complaining. Second favorite was coaches drawing up plays. Yeah. But my favorite was them pitching about calls. I mean, oh. like, damn it, they wanted to win that game. And I, Look, I, I just loved it. If you didn't know better, Bob, you honestly might have thought it was a playoff game. If you just yeah. saw LeBron complaining to the refs like he was, I, I just worry, is it a novelty? Is this a novelty where – for the first year or two, they love it, and then in year five, they kind of get bored of it, and 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 it reverts back. Now, I also wonder if Kobe had something to do with them playing with this type of ferocity that they're playing for Kobe. Right. Um, it's a little different. I I don't know. I don't know, but I loved it. I loved it. I want to see it again, and I want to find a way to to package that, like you said, and put it into a a four quarter game in the all-star you know people who are listening and watching us that that are younger really uh believe it or not there was a time there have been some really wonderful all-star games in the past uh i you know i saw some in the set i know in the 60s there was a great one in madison square garden i know that uh there was there were overtimes i know in 1987 uh, excuse me 80 uh i get the seattle 87 chicago 88 or vice versa but the game in seattle which was an overtime game and uh uh, Tom Chambers got the MVP and he was so proud of himself. You know, he had, I think he got 34, I think. And he's got, I'm the best player in the world, which he was that day, you know, but I mean, it was, there was, there was real pride manifested there. And I, I'm not saying it was East West. It was just, you know, looking across the court, who's who that guy was. I want to, I want to Don't play. you blame to me. I, I blame the best player in the world, whoever it is, because I think if LeBron went out there and played with that, that ferocity, Everybody else would have to, right? Like, he sets the tone for the rest of the league. And I feel like he's allowed it to get to the point. Maybe not him. You know, maybe it was whoever came before him, and he just fell in line with it. But he could change it, right? The best player in the world can change it. That's very interesting. And because I saw a quote from him uh, prior to the game, uh, which I didn't read until after the game. You know what I'm saying? I think it was. I think it was in USA Today. I'm not. I, when I was, I saved you know stuff to, just in case. And I read it, and and he was talking about one of the problems getting people to play at their hardest is the idea. You don't want to get hurt. You don't want to. You know, it, it, in the end, it, it yep. is. It doesn't matter. Uh, and and you know, you just don't want to go all crazy. You know. But then they lost themselves into it in that fourth quarter. They played, and and then there's the individual stuff that we saw. The block Antetokounmpo made on yeah. LeBron, which, it, 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 and and thank God for replay because I think there's no question that that it looked to the, all the naked eye that it was goaltending that he pinned it against the glass. Sure, but sure. we saw the replay. It was 
one millisecond before uh, that got to the blast that he actually blocked ridiculous. the shot. Uh, it was yep. it was an extraordinary yep. play. And and uh, you know there was a lot of isolated moments in, in it that were that were fun. Uh, and the funny thing is, and how about this? Oh, the greatest graphic maybe in the history of sports television ever. I, I'll never. How about the graphic? Dunks in the first three quarters, 49. Dunks thus far this quarter, one. <laughs> that's that's, that's, that's that, very that, good. Yeah. I mean, that tells you all you need to know about, you know, really. There it is right there. It tells you all you need to know. 49 dunks in the first three quarters, one in the fourth at that point. I don't remember if there were any subsequent dunks after that graphic was posted. But And then the other thing I love, shooting percentage was 35%. I mean, they were, the were D'ing up. You know, seriously, uh, that says up. it all. Yeah, that, I mean, that says know, it all. There were a couple of times somebody got an Ole down the middle. I remember right. it was an easy, might be one yeah. or two, not many, one or no. two times it looked like the rest of the game. But the rest of, but eight, 98, 9% of the time that fourth quarter was, was fierce basketball being waged by the greatest players on the planet. Oh my God, it was wonderful. Did you see on uh, Wednesday night after NC State blasted Duke oh. in Raleigh? Blasted him. Game's over, and uh, you know, handshake line's always entertaining, right? <laughs> I mean, I always, I always enjoy seeing it because I know a lot of the background with these college coaches, especially. And you know, Calipari and Pearl hate each other, and you know, Patino and Calipari hated each other, and well, everybody in Calipari seemingly hate each other. <laughs> um, but, but I, I like watching them, especially you know, when K gets blitzed like that, you want to see how he reacts. And and somebody tweeted it out. I didn't even catch it at the time. I tweeted it out. He gave Kevin Keats, the NC State head coach, the complete blow by. I mean, didn't even look at him, Bob. And now people are killing him for it. Um, because he he's that guy when he wins a game, and he's great in the post-game press conference. Nobody's better than when K wins a game of saying, Hey, I give all the credit to whoever it is. You you know, uh, when 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 they beat BC here, he credited Jim Christian for for a good stretch of time. I mean, he, he but but in a loss like that, he was uh, yeah, he, he was not happy. And you wonder if there's something more there between him and NC you State wonder. coach. Kevin uh, he's, he's human being. You know, he's sometimes you have to forget this. He's a human being. Uh, and and uh, he has his his moments, I know. Uh, and you had funny you mentioned that that praising of Jim Christian. 20 plus years ago, I was down at Durham for a BC game uh, in which uh, BC played valiantly, but, you know, not well enough and and and, and went up, lost by a respectable score, uh, uh, put up a good fight. And and he lavished praise on BC. And, and I, I uh, wrote about it and I mentioned it to one of the local writers. And they said, he does that. That's that's three. That's yep. it, it. That's that's his mo. That's what he does. You know, so don't get carried away with it. You know, you know, you, you know that he means it <laughs> necessarily. Do you, a, do you have a favorite uh, handshake line story that you can recall of coaches? Anybody that I mean, like I, like well, punches just, thrown or anything? No, it's funny because uh, no, not oh well, no. The famous it wasn't a line, but you know the all time incident was John Cheney and Calipari when Cheney went up to try to choke Calipari in the media room. Yeah. In the media room. You know, on a post-game interview, that's the standard of, for that'll last until the 22nd century. Is the standard of you know of, of goofiness after a game? I think between two coaches. Yeah, I'm not. I, I noted. It's funny you mention this because I mentioned. Uh, I noted some game I was watching earlier this week. I took note of the layup line and the and the apparent uh, affability and 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 a warmth between the two coaches. You know, huggy huggy. 
and uh, after a game this week I watched. I forget who it was. I was trying to think about who it was when you mentioned this thing. No, I didn't see the game. I was out last night and and then I came home and watched. We watched the debates and and so I didn't see the game. All I know is I I, I saw that score. Then I went. Wait a minute. BC just went down there and, and won in that gym, and now. Yeah. Duke goes in and loses by 22. Now, how are, every every time we convene, we talk about what a crazy season this is. What it was unpredictable, bizarre, un, uh, aberrational. Uh, uh, we'll see if it's aberrational. We'll see what next year's like. But so, thus far, but we we we're never. There's always something to, for, for, yes. to verify it. There's always something to yes. amplify it, to demonstrate it. I mean, this is a this is this juxtaposition. Not just the idea that Duke that Duke lost by 22 to State, but BC went in and beat State the last game before this. <laughs> hey, did did you see the triple header that I took my daughter to on Saturday? We I, went to a oh, triple header. We did Dayton oh. Dayton at UMass, twelve thirty. Yeah. Got to the Wagner Merrimack game for the second half. Merrimack yeah. is in all, all three. We saw three first place teams, and then the nightcap was Seton Hall at Providence. I don't know if it's ever been done before. Think about it. In one day, seeing three teams in first place of their respective uh, leagues, Dayton, Seton yeah. Hall. And yeah. Merrimack is in first place in the NEC, although they're not eligible right. for the NCAA tournament. They're in the first year of the, the four-year transition period. What a nice little story that is. I just read that the the only other team ever did anything like this is Cal Baptist last year. Right. Yeah. yeah. But uh, uh, no, it's, it's a very nice story for Merrimack. Uh, no, I didn't uh, at all. I was hope I, I had a, I kind of had earmarked. Uh, long ago, that I would like to get out to see UMass uh, because Dayton because uh, I wanted to see OB, OB top in person. Yep. You know, and if I had an opportunity, but it didn't work out for me. I couldn't have done that on Saturday. But, but you know, now, you you might go. I, it's early March, March third, fourth, or fifth. They play Dayton plays at Rhode Island. Rhodey, that's good. Yeah, I'm, I'll see if I can. That that would I really want to see him and and uh, you know let's pay my respect. I was at uh, I told you Sunday I was at UConn. And uh, uh, the Memphis game. And, oh, uh, I didn't know that. I went to the UConn. I took my grandson, and um, we had uh, had an excellent time. It was it wasn't a pretty game, but it was a game. It was a hard fought game. The biggest margin either way was six. You know, either way, a whole game. Memphis once led by six. UConn never led by more than five. Uh, UConn was down most of the game, but they took control of the last five. Crowd. It was a sellout. The first one of the year. Now, actually, it was sold out because. People bought tickets in anticipation of a James Wiseman Memphis team. I'm sure of that. And, you know, years and I'm sure those tickets were sold in November. Right. And and uh, but it was a sellout. So the atmosphere was terrific. Um, uh, and, uh, you know, hard. Is it in stores, stores or Hartford? South Center was in Hartford. But the, the sad thing was a cook, a cook, a cook, a cook, a cook. In the first minute of play makes a spectacular block. Beautiful block goes down. Yeah. And it turns out he tore his Achilles. And, uh, you know, it was, it was sad, that, uh, but I wanted to see him play. It's going to hurt. I'll tell you what, it's going to hurt. Danny Hurley next year was going to kind of be the year that he that he starts to really turn it. Kevin Ollie didn't didn't leave him a whole hell of a lot, as you could see. Yeah. He's got they, a couple of friends, your book yeah. night and a cook, book that night. are going to be cornerstones next year. And now you're talking about Achilles. Yeah. That that could be. I mean, it's a nine to twelve month injury. It is. It is. Uh, thank God, though, they can do stuff with it now because to, when, once upon a time that was a career render. 
Uh, and I, in the NBA, I remember a couple of guys, Lucius Jackson, the first dude, yeah. Mike Gray, he went, they never recovered. And I remember, yeah. anyway, now you can, you know, you can hopefully come back from it. But anyway, Cook and Cook went down right away. It was, it was, uh, it was, it was, uh, you know, but the game was, anyway, it was fun. And what I did, I came up, we know that UConn's going back to the Big East. And, and uh, it was a reminder of that crowd, that fan base is still ready to get back into the action. They want to see Georgetown Syracuse come back in there. They want to see, uh, not Syracuse, of course, and, uh, but they want to see Villanova come. And uh, anyway, that UConn will be heard from again, I think. I mean, I think we agree Danny Hurley is, 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 a man, is a man for that job. I don't think there's the man. There's other people, but I think he's up to that job. And I, I do, not, too. And I think, I think he's the, he's the right guy for that job. I think he'll turn it. I think it may take till year four now. Uh, but I, I do think Hurley is the right guy to get UConn back on track. I don't know if they're ever going to be what they were winning four national titles in the span of 20, 20 ish years. I mean, it, it's ridiculous when you drive to stores, Connecticut, and you think of what Jim Calhoun was able to do. And that program is absolutely could be on his Hall of Fame plaque. Greatest distinction. He made Stores, Connecticut a destination. <laughs> <laughs> so true. So true. What do you got going on this weekend, Bob? Any 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 big plans? Uh, run? No, I we got no. Uh, I'm 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 searching around Saturday. Uh oh, yeah. Uh searching around. There's a couple possibilities. Um, and I might I might uh, you know, even if I find a nice little D three game and um, I you know what Jeff, I don't have a new gym this year. I have not added to my total. My disputed Jeff Goodman, Bob, disputed total of 201. Uh, Jeff disputes it, folks, that he doesn't like some of my uh, inclusions. But um, you gotta see. I, I got I, I haven't. I, I, I haven't. Merrimack at home? I've been there. That wouldn't be. Oh, you've you've been to Merrimack. Well, that takes care of that. There. So a women's game there uh, with Bentley a number of years ago. With, when Bentley was riding high with Barbara Stevens, who's been nominated for the, you know, she, you know, she's the Hall of Fame yep. of time. Anyway, I, I've seen, so I, I have seen the gym, not for a men's game, but okay. I count okay. them all. I count them all. Uh, well, check out the schedule. I'm sure you can find something on Saturday. It may not be a new gym. Yeah. No. Uh, I will be out in, in Moraga, uh, oh, California, yeah. on Saturday to see St. Mary's, and then I'm going to take a red eye. I got to go to Chicago to shoot a show that we're doing every Monday. I'm going to take a red eye from San Fran to Chicago, yep. try to get a couple hours at the airport of sleep when I land in the morning, and then I'm going to try to go to Rutgers, Wisconsin, drive to uh, Madison, which is, I think, oh, a couple way, hours. Oh, out there just off the top of my head. I know you've been touting Penn State. They fell in a, in a rumpus, yeah. rumpus, didn't they? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Listen, they're good, but nobody's great. Again, I just it's like everybody's I'm, I'm, good. Everybody's good. I mean, again, Duke isn't Duke. Kentucky is actually playing much better, Bob. Kentucky I, is a team I still think we watch. Um, but there's, listen, I, I, I tweeted earlier today. One month from today, Bob, one month from today is the Thursday. The Thursday that everybody looks forward to. What is it? The first week of the NCAA tournament. When you just sit on your couch oh. and you tell your significant other, uh, leave me alone the entire day. I'm going to watch, you know, uh, 16 games all day. This is known as uh, the day you discover what channel, what number true is on your <laughs> Right. You search. You, you always, search yeah, for it. What number right. true is. And you, you, you got to write it down and put it in, post it. I, I actually know it. 
I know it because I love this show, Impractical Jokers, which is on True TV. So actually, I actually know it now. So, uh, but yeah, find find a game for this Saturday, Bob. Report back to me next week and let me know if you went or if you don't go. Just of course, you you know, to, pick you a team you haven't seen on TV. I have to intersperse in high school, local high school. The tournament's getting ready, cranking up. I'll be I'll be checking out those Hingham High girls and and boys. So uh, you know, don't worry. Well, have a good weekend. <laughs> And we'll talk next week. Okay, Jeff. You got it.